The world will remember this day when Isaac and Olivia traveled to Barbie land. And I bet Ben Shapiro didn't like it. To be honest, Oppie, once I discovered the patriarchy, wasn't about horses I lost interest. Welcome to Flower Film Country. I'm Isaac Sims. (laughs) I'm Olivia Clement, and I'm losing it at Isaac right now. I just, I need everyone to know, he looks like Ben Safdie. Is it Ben Safdie? Yeah, it's Benny Safdie. Benny Safdie from Oppenheimer, where he's he's got all the sunscreen on his face. So much sunscreen. You you really, you put a lot of effort into this, didn't I did, you? I did. I, I love that. I love your commitment to the bit. Thank you so much. Well, you know what? We we don't condone bits, but, you know, on the pod, we'll, we'll uh, make an exception, so. What do you, I um, totally condone bits. Yeah. I commit what to the, the bit. We need to, we need more bits. I think that we, I think that we we as a podcast, as an organization, as a society, need, as a society, actually as a society, we have enough bits. We have too many bits, but the pod squad needs more bits. Yeah, we got we 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 need to build them up, or maybe we yeah. we generate them, but we don't bring them back as much as we should. So we need more callbacks. Callbacks. We do. Yeah, Olivia, how are yeah. you doing? Dude, I'm good. You know, work is about to start picking up because school's about to start. So I'm excited about that. Um, and you know what? It's a good time for movies. And it's a wonderful I'm, time for movies. I'm just super excited about it, honestly. How are you? How was Canada? Canada was great. Uh, literally, the only downside was that I couldn't see Barbie right after I saw Oppenheimer. Um, but you that know what? That is a downside. Life has uh, greater challenges in store for me ahead, so um, I'm choosing to look on the bright side. I had a wonderful time with my wife and 11-month-old. We slept great every night. Um, not. That was sarcastic. We oh, I was like, every night that's, that's It was great. a new environment for her, and she was oh, okay. screaming. Um, I think the sunscreen <laughs> I was like, is... I, did you sleep great? That's good. You can't really Clutch tell because I'm still wearing sleep. my sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell what's happening. So I'm gonna channel. I'm gonna channel uh, Edward Teller throughout this whole this whole recording. So I hope That's you're ready. Great. The but I've dropped the, the Hungarian bit. accent, so I hope you're um, happy about that. I mean, I guess not that committed. Yeah, until somebody <laughs> builds a bigger bomb. <laughs> um. um Barbenheimer. Um, Bar- Barbenheimer. First of all, great job on Barbie. Um, Thank you. Whitney, Whitney's a great guest. We'll have her back more in the future. Um, Jess wanted to know why you guys didn't talk about Ryan Gosling that much. That's a here's the deal. There are so many things that we that I thought about afterwards. I was like, we should have talked about that more. Yeah. I think I'm blaming Walter because Walter had to leave, and so we were on a time crunch because of him. So it's his fault. You know you're he's like not here. he's not you know here. He's our himself. underling. Yeah, like you're. You, it's you and me in the pilot and co-pilot chairs. We switch. We inter. We interchange. You know, mm-hmm. jump, jump from seat to seat on the long flight that is this podcast. But you can tell Walter to go get you orange juice if you want. You know. Which is hard because it's just like, what is he supposed to do with it? Because we're we never record. We've only recorded once all together. 
in person but i guess yeah in person sorry yeah, i should have specified sure. in person yeah so i mean i guess i could tell him to get orange juice but i mean what what is he supposed to do with it afterwards make i should know that was like an it. in-flight metaphor like but that was my fault I guess no it didn't if i'm on a flight well. i'm getting ginger ale oh dang it because you're that's, ginger yes what am that's i thinking it, well come on man come, get come it on, together um did you wear pink to see barbie I wore pink shoes. I wore okay. my Greta Gerwig shirt that's just a plain white shirt with Greta Gerwig and then just some shorts and then I have a pair of Air Max 1s which is a pair of Nike shoes and they are pink and they're super cool and so I wore those. Right on. I don't right on. own really that many pink things. I own like, a pink I just, shirt. I own 3 pink shirts. You own two more pink dre- shirts than I do. <laughs> two are dress shirts and one is a t-shirt. But the, it's more like okay. a soft pink, you know? It's not over okay. the top. I did yeah. not wear pink to Barbie, although there was like this salmon red color and a really fine checkered shirt that I wore from work. Mm-hmm. Came home, picked up chess, we went. So, nice. good time. Good movie. Um, Ryan Gosling is really... He's, he's funnier than Margot Robbie, but Margot Robbie's got a lot more on her shoulders um yeah and it's like at the end of the day the better performance um but awesome movie i loved it yeah no gosling plays a himbo so well and he should be in more comedic roles i what have you seen the nice guys yes you were the one who told me to watch it i watched it i actually told my parents they needed to watch it i don't think they've watched it yet but Jess watched it while we were in Bamp. We watched it together, and oh, she was nice. dying the whole time. Because it's she hilarious. It. It's really funny. And he's, so, like, stealing the show the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's great. He's so funny. I um, I loved when you texted uh, Walter and me and said that Barbie was sublime, in all caps. Sublime! Sublime! So funny. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> you said, what are you laughing at? Just, the, just Ryan Gosling I'm still going, I'm still going for it. <laughs> and and your commitment <laughs> to this bit <laughs> that no one is going to see but me. Real quick, there's a, uh, actually, we're putting this on YouTube, so get ready. Oh, okay. I yeah. would have cleaned my room and made it look a little nicer. What's that behind you? You got a box? That's a box. And then you put What's that box in the box. What's in the box? You put the box, you put in the box. box in another box. Um, there's an I think you should leave. There's a new, a new I think you should leave sketch where his whole thing is like he tells his coworkers, hey, if you because one of their coworkers gets uh, a DUI because she drove home drunk from a uh, after work social. And is that what happens? To- is that how you get a DUI? <laughs> I'm sorry. It sure is. <laughs> Or you uh, invent the atomic bomb, uh, super bomb. <laughs> but anyway, Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson says like, "Hey, if you guys ever need a ride, just give me a call." And he like gives he like gives them his number. Um, mm-hmm. But it looks like a huge company, so it's not like they work closely together all the time. So one of the dudes the next day or that night goes out and he like calls Tim Robinson, and Tim Robinson has this thing where he <laughs> they're driving and he starts doing this. Uh, and the dude's like, what? And then the camera goes outside the car, and you realize that he has a sticker of a hat and a cigar on his window, 
And so when people pull up right next to him, it looks like he's smoking a cigar <laughs> in like a really old timey cartoon. <laughs> and that's how I feel right now because Benny Safi is like making that face. I like we that. really need to put this on YouTube just we do because no, yeah and then that's and that's why and that's I told Walter we're gonna put this on YouTube so great um anyway but yeah no Olivia it's an amazing time for movies I'm sure you know um but Barbie and Oppenheimer combined have surpassed one billion Barbie is probably going to surpass a billion on its own. In like two or three days as of this recording. We're recording this on Thursday the 3rd, I believe, of August. Yes. And Barbie's made 100 million, 811 million. Oppenheimer's made 419 million. Oppenheimer made um, 80 million, which surpassed projections um, its opening weekend. And Barbie made 165 million i believe it's opening weekend both of them blew past their expectations both are going to be nominated for bukus of oscars we are back like this is this is an incredible movie year the movies are back baby steve holt steve holt as we reference a tv show (laughs) we're just referencing all sorts of tv shows but how do you how do you feel about like I don't know, this connecting to the last conversation that you and I had with the strikes going on, SAG-AFTRA mm-hmm. and WGA, and I don't know, how do, yeah, how are you feeling about movies and compared to last year and state of the business? And yeah, just give me your thoughts before we jump into all yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, as of this recording, there's still, like, everyone's still on strike, and that's uh, that really sucks that these big companies are not budging on that which is annoying um i i think for me what i what this shows me is that with movies like barbie and oppenheimer like we are wanting we as a like a society as a movie going audience are wanting unique stories and to hear things from like a fresh perspective because like I think that it would have been really easy for Oppenheimer to be kind of like an Oscar bait movie, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, it it could have been the Winston Churchill movie that could have been Darkest Hour. Yeah. Yes, thank you. I couldn't think of what it was called. It could have been a Darkest Hour, right? Like, get get Gary Oldman his his Oscar, call it a day, whatever. But it was not at all oscar bait and and barbie is such a unique story on this very very huge and popular toy that everyone has opinions on and and i think whitney said this whenever we were talking about it 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 does a really good job of like blending uh kind of the the gen z nihilism and and just like pessimism Mm -hmm. towards the world and, and and giving this idea of like no, it, it's not always so bad. Like, it's not all bad. Yeah. And, and there's actually things to, like, root for and to to work towards. And, and it's it's really just a beautiful story. And mm-hmm. I I know people, like, are going to hate on it. Uh, we talked about... Famously Ben about, Shapiro, yeah. Yeah, like, Ben Shapiro hating on it. And then, like, these super conservative people that, you know, we, we are friends with on Facebook who 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 hate on it. But, like... It's such a great story, and and Oppenheimer is made in such a fantastic way, in such a a way that I 
that that I I don't think a lot of directors are able to that that I don't think that directors don't want to make it make movies in the way that Christopher Nolan does, but I think because Christopher Nolan and his namesake, he gets to kind of do whatever he wants, you know. And and honestly, like, and we'll get to talk about this more in Oppenheimer, but like that that's what's so special about this back to back. Nobody could have made Oppenheimer except Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan, and yeah, no one could have made a Barbie movie this good other than Greta Gerwig. That's right. what's special about it to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Barbie in particular, I mean, Barbie had been in the works for, for I think, almost a decade, honestly. Like, it had been passed from studio to studio with different, you know, writers attached to it. Um, Diablo, nope. Uh, Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno, was attached to Barbie at one point. Uh-huh. And, you know you know, backed out for whatever reason. And I'm glad it fell into Greta Gerwig's lap. I I mean, I I don't think it just fell into her lap, but I'm glad that she was able to come on to this and actually between her and uh, Noah Baumbach making it into the story because it's, it's so, it's so good. And I, I can't talk enough about it. Like, like I get so excited whenever someone's like, "Yeah, so I saw Barbie," and I'm like, "Let's let us let's talk let's about talk. it. Let us let's talk talk about it for hours." Uh, so, and it was great, and it was great on a rewatch. I, I texted Isaac and Walter, and I said, "Barbie is just as good on a rewatch." Uh, and, yeah. and I was worried about that. I was worried, like, am I just like, am I in it because I love Greta Gerwig and the cast so much? and just kind of the hype or or am i actually like in it and i am in it so So you didn't feel that it was an alienating dangerous and perverse film (laughs) no so you think that the feminist agenda won't kill us all oh i do and i hope it does did you feel like it was a pink acid trip that feels like getting slapped by lots of confusingly attractive people is that a bad thing Who's to say? I mean, I mean, that sounds like a good time to me. They won't be happy until we are all gay. Oh, those are well. all those are all one star letterbox reviews from angry men, ah, angry users in the community, yeah. the yeah. community which we are affectionately a part of. So yeah, so um, you want to get into Oppenheimer? Let's talk about Oppenheimer. We've we've talked a lot about about Barbie, which again, love that. But if you haven't love. listened to a Barbie episode, go listen to it. Yes, but I'm not on it. Isaac's not on it because I was in Canada. Uh, getting three hours of sleep every night and hiking 12 miles every day. So very casual, very casual. And that's how we vacation <laughs> like crazy people. I'm just kidding. It looks like you guys had a good time, though. It, no, it, it was crazy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm never going to financially recover from it or emotionally <laughs> or emotionally or physically. Do you know a therapist I could talk to? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can recommend some to you. How did you see um did you see Oppenheimer in IMAX? Yes. I did. Was it uh 70 millimeter? No, or was it, it was laser. Just, it was I think it was laser. It wasn't yeah. 70 millimeter. Yeah, cuz so most most see- IMAXs are laser. Um yeah. Tell me I was going to I was I, I do want to rank like uh Christopher Nolan's movies the ones you've seen later on mm-hmm. in this episode but what what were your expectations for this and like what's your relationship to him as a filmmaker going into this movie 
So I, I, I was actually talking about Christopher Nolan recently. I was talking about, cause we were talking about this movie and I have realized like Christopher Nolan has made some of my, like some of the best movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, he makes, he just makes them well. And yep. I have seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his movies. So I haven't seen The Prestige or Insomnia or Memento or Dunkirk. Um, so that's a little less than half of his filmography. But like he, he just he makes movies so well and they're so like he took a character like the Batman and he made those into like actual like like actual cinema you know like it's, yep. it's not just like a comic book movie it, it's like a movie it's a movie like it a movie. feels like a movie that's a bit we bring up a lot we do that's probably it's probably that's overused, that's probably honestly. it but, but that's which isn't even our bit we're just making fun of harry styles yeah but anyway so my expectations for oppenheimer were regardless of how i feel about the movie it's going to be a well-made film and yeah. i will be able to enjoy that aspect of it because and like I knew this wasn't going to be necessarily about World War Two because we all know how I feel about war movies. Not my favorite, mm-hmm. but uh, I I I knew I was going to enjoy that. Like it would just it was going to have to be really bad for me to to not enjoy this movie with Nolan behind the camera and with the cast that it has. So, yeah. yeah. What about you? What I mean. What were your expectations? You are you've seen all of Nolan's movies, right? Yes. So when Eric okay. and I covered Christopher Nolan, when Dunkirk, no, when no, Tenet, it was Tenet. yeah, it was Tenet, yeah, Dang, was so long ago, it was Dunkirk so long was ago. even longer. Dunkirk was yes. pre-pandemic. Um, Dunkirk came out the year we graduated from college. That's crazy. Just, crazy to think about. Yeah, we, yeah, we. That was something that we talked about. Was that you know all of he has this he has this really great like mental kind of power that mm-hmm. he transfers into his movies tenant was the best example of that to date mm-hmm. because we we'd seen inception and it's very brainy you go inside dream and within a dream within a dream interstellar kind of break it he did it really early on with memento um famously and and then the prestige was a little bit more like Shyamalan almost in the turn mm-hmm. in terms of its reveals and like the really amazing reveal right at the end, literally mm-hmm. like the last seconds of the movie. Um, but I was expecting this to be either his best movie or his most flawed. Mm-hmm. And I do think it, it's not my fa- it's my second favorite of his but I do think it is his best movie. I think like kind of okay. what he achieves here is really incredible because adapting this from American Prometheus the Pulitzer prize winning 
biography about Oppenheimer and how he developed the bomb and his history and like who he was as a person mm-hmm. adapting that and then kind of then injecting all of his important themes as a filmmaker or what he gleaned from the story of Oppenheimer mm-hmm. into a, a movie like this was just kind of astounding and and like and then we'll talk about some more but like the editing the score the cinematography Killian Murphy's performance mm-hmm. supported by Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon um and then I do want to talk about the the female performances in the movie mm-hmm. just and then the three timelines kind of jumping in and around it just it, it blew me away and I was really kind of taken aback by the the last hour of the movie but then mm-hmm. on rewatch I understood I like kind of flowed with it a lot better yeah and I, I do I think it's I think it's like a masterpiece so so you watched this movie twice I did and I okay. loved it so much like both times okay cool it and and it didn't feel like it was three hours that's the thing no, that was it like didn't that was so amazing to me. It was like, I felt it a little bit, especially in the um, second half of the, mm-hmm. or, yeah, like I said, especially in that like, that third hour. But I walked out with with my brother-in-law and I was like, dude, I did not feel like that was three hours at all. Did you? And he goes, yep. <laughs> and just nods, <laughs> nods his head. And he was like, he was exhausted because he had had a long day. Yeah. But um, shout out Jeff. Jeff shout out Jeff. to Jeff yeah Jeff, Jeff and Jeff, um Jeff, so Jeff. so anyway we, yeah I was just like this is incredible I can't believe this like mm-hmm. I don't know tell me I've kind of waxed eloquent but tell me tell me your thoughts so I think I texted you this after I finished it I I I didn't realize how stressed I was while watching the movie until the the credits started to roll and the lights went on and I was like gripping the armrests of my chair. I was, I was white knuckling it cause it was, it was really stressful. And I think a lot of it has to do, cause I don't know how much you knew about Oppenheimer beforehand. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about any of this. Uh, honestly, I think if you had asked me prior to the announcement of this movie, who developed the, you know, the bomb, I would have been like, ah. Josh Peck. Like Josh that's Peck. that's what I thought before I yeah. saw the trailer several months ago. Right. Yeah. And so, so I just was like, I I don't know anything about this, and so I knew nothing about his like sort of ties, but not really ties to like mm-hmm. the Communist Party, and I didn't know he was. I mean, by all accounts, just based on this movie, I guess not by all accounts, based on this movie. Didn't seem like he was that great of a person, but I feel definitely, like yeah, definitely a womanizer. Yeah, and, and I and I feel like a lot of a lot of people who have like that smart of a brain are maybe not great people, and I don't know if it's because the the level of intelligence keeps them from being able to hold relationships in a like normal way. Or what, but it, it, he just, he seemed like he was not a good person. But then it didn't seem like there was no one really in the story that was like 
these are good. This is a good person. This is a person to root for. And that's what's, that's what's so great about it too, because the movie walks this line of like really kind of portraying him in an honest way. There's not Mm -hmm. this sort of, (laughs) uh, I saw a tweet and it was like, uh, Nobody chanted with me when I uh, when I started the USA chant when the bomb went off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's this sort of um, you don't get to the end of the movie, and the movie doesn't end whenever the bomb goes off, and then the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt da- uh, General Groves, Matt Damon's character, calls Potsdam to tell Truman we have it, like we have mm-hmm. it down um, and ready to go. Um, and everybody's cheering. It's like two years of work that's done, and mm-hmm. it's like a cathartic moment. And the American flag's waving in the background, like other movies would end there, but it doesn't. Like right. it, it, it shows the fallout. And after that, mm-hmm. he is like, he's just unhinged. He like, or not mm-hmm. unhinged, but he's like untethered. He doesn't know what's going on. He has no confidence. He's very like, he's trying to grapple and kind of get back to almost like a a place where he was when he was developing the bomb and yeah. kind of regaining himself. And that's what's yeah. so good about it is like, he's, he's very flawed is, and it's just like, it's, it's just that he's a fascinating person more than anything mm-hmm. because right. He developed it out of necessity and he was the only one who could develop it for the mm-hmm. Americans. So it's a, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, and yeah, I, I love that it doesn't end with like, all right, good old US of A, baby. And USA, part of that, I'm sure... USA. <laughs> just like USA chance. Part of that, I'm sure, is Christopher Nolan's not American. So right. I think there's that aspect of it. It's and, removed. And he's been saying in interviews, yeah. this J. Robert Oppenheimer is the most important person who has ever lived. Sure, yeah. And, and I, we can make... I mean, we can make the case for that, I think, for sure. And was it... Was it Walter or you who sent the tweet to the group of like, uh, is there an in credit scene for Oppenheimer? And someone was like, baby, you're living it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was that. And then there was also like, oh, my gosh, the post credit scene for Oppenheimer dropped. And it was the John David Washington. And, <laughs> and Oppenheimer's like, he's like, who are you? I'm the protagonist. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes that was that was a good one too but yeah i mean like that But you're also like not repelled by him which i think is like something that's it's just something that is really refreshing because nolan is nolan has the visual imagery and that's what that's why i was like this is why i think it's his perfect movie is he really elicits an emotional response from the audience with this movie because he so clearly um shows the fallout from mm-hmm. the from history and kind of like like you know hearkening back to that tweet but in a less funny tone we are living it and yeah. it is terrifying and we are we 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 live with it every day and it's the sort of like oh that's how the world is now like there were you know mm-hmm. um creative liberties he took with certain things but by and large that's how it happened and that Mm -hmm. and it's like oh my gosh and so he really marries the emotional 
backbone of it to what is mainly in his movies or has been criticized in his movies is only being logic, only being like, you know, cold, calculating, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a Which, great example of like he he can do this and he, he is a thinker and he is emotional and mm-hmm. um, he makes you feel and he makes you think. So Yeah. Well, and I, like I can see why people say that he's too logical in his his movies or you're you're only thinking in his movies and i think yes you are thinking in his movies he's he's he is a smart director and he's gonna make his audience think and that's that's great love that i also think that like his movies are emotional like mm-hmm. interstellar is super emotional matthew mcconaughey is only concerned about his daughter he does not care about timothy charlamay um does yeah. it yeah uh but but that's an emotional mo- like movie it, it's it's also stressful a lot of his movies are stressful now that i'm yep. thinking about it yeah uh and you know inception is also emotional and mm-hmm. And I think that that gets kind of swept up in like in, in the mechanics of how that movie was made and 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 what the movie is about and that kind of thing. But like, it's actually a really emotional story. Yeah. And and so, so I don't love that criticism for. I understand it, but I don't. I don't, I don't think it really holds weight. But this movie, yeah, it is. It's emotional. It's emotional, and it's also emotionally draining. Like I was exhausted after and I, guess, I, like, I, I don't know if you I, I, you know the pace of the movie and the editing and like it was really interesting because the second time i watched it i don't know if you had this thought but like the second time i watched it i had the feel, feeling of like this is good a bunch of these people are going to be nominated for oscars and i watched mm-hmm. like for like the oscar moment from killian murphy from robert downey jr from matt damon mm-hmm. and almost except for Killian Murphy, Murphy, like other people who would appear in supporting, mm-hmm. the, their clips are so short mm-hmm. because it's relentlessly edited. It's just like feeding you this information and like, well, this then this happened, then this happened. Now we're going back ten years. Then this happened. Now we're jumping forward twenty years. Like, mm-hmm. and it's so just like it just pummels you. Yeah, um, it feels but like the whiplash. second time, it, it almost doesn't give you time to have an emotional response. But the second time, I did. I didn't okay. like weep, but I did like what it was getting toward the end. And it was kind of like Al- Albert Einstein's telling him they're going to they're going to serve you lunch. They're going to tell you a good job, but they're mm-hmm. it won't be for you. It'll be for them. And you're going to have to live mm-hmm. with this regret for the rest of your life. And I was like, it just like it just really got to me, not because of I feel bad for Oppenheimer, but because of like this is the world we live in now. And this is like, yeah. the fallout of bureaucratic power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't feel sorry for the guy who created the atomic bomb that killed thousands of thousands of people. Uh, but it is just like that moment really shifted our world. Yep. And you know, what, what would be different about our world today if that hadn't have happened? Yeah. If it, even if, if they had created the bomb, but what if they didn't drop it? You know, like, how different would our world be? And, and, like, we don't know. Obviously, we can't know that. But, you know, the the 60s and, like, the, the Cold War era, the 50s of the Cold War era and the 60s would have been so different 
uh, and it would have just really, sh- I mean, it did completely change the tra- trajectory of our world, the whole world, not just like the U.S., but the whole world. Yeah. Um, which is honestly so crazy to think about because I don't think I've ever really thought about that at all of just like because it's just something we're taught like we're just taught this all the time like growing up in school it's like yep we did it go usa yeah they Uh, they used to tell kids to get under their tables isn't that crazy and then it's like oh i guess it's not a big deal no wait oh no like the war warheads around the world are primed and ready to go at any moment yeah (laughs) and it's like oh my gosh also now that we're talking about that I, I this is just something I might we might need to to t- cut this out. I'm gonna go on a rant for a second. It is it is baffling to me that that was so normal back then. Of like, we're gonna practice drills of like what happens if a a nuclear warhead goes off and mm-hmm. sh- like bombs your local town. We're going to practice that. That's too, it's totally normal. And then that same generation yeah, who Lord. lived that is very much like, well, who cares about school shootings? And it's yeah. like, what do you, what, what do you mean? Why are you okay with that? Anyway, I'm sorry. I went on that ramp. Yep. That that's it. I won't talk about it anymore. I just think it's annoying, but no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, what speaking of, I mean, in related in a way, you and I t- talked about this a little bit off mic, but what do you think of the his decision to, you know, the explosion of the bomb at Trinity, the test, um, mm-hmm. is the is the end of Act Two, mm-hmm. end of the second hour. We don't see any footage from Nagasaki or Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of pushback against that decision. Um, that it seems insensitive for Nolan not to address that. But since this is told from Oppenheimer's perspective, there still could have been a way that he could have done that. I fall in the camp that I think that it was wise for him not to yeah. show because because we just all kind of know the effects. We've yeah. seen a lot of images. Yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to see kind of what you thought about that since that was a common critique um, of of this aspect of the movie. Yeah. That I, I fall into the same camp as you. It just, it's not necessary here, especially as Americans, we are inundated with world war two information from like, yep. s- like from the time we're in the first grade. And especially I think growing up in like flyover countries and in the South, like we, we eat that up. Like we, we talk about world war two all the time um i I think more people know like more americans probably know more information about world war ii than they know about other things like way way more information about that that war i don't need to see it i don't want to see it because also i mean we talked about this a little bit uh the effects of this bomb were the absolute most devastating nightmarish we, yeah like it, it was seriously nightmarish the things that scary movies attempt to do actually happened as a result of this bomb 
And so, so no, I don't, I didn't need to see it. We know it. Every, everyone in the world knows what happens. Like, n- no person in the world ha- doesn't know what, what happened. So I don't need to see it. I don't think it's necessary. Actually, I think it's probably, it was a sensitive move on his behalf to not include it because I don't, I mean, that is a national trauma that the country of Japan experienced. Like, Mm -hmm. again, we view the U S views themselves as the good guys in that. And we ended the, the second world war as a result of that. But like, kind of like what they talk about in the movie, like the war was already on the cusp of ending anyway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can debate on what Japan was doing or whatever, but we didn't destroy a base. We just, we leveled two cities. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a great, that's a great lead into this movie's really about power. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's so fascinating viewing it from Oppenheimer's perspective, because at the beginning of the movie, I just, Man, I just love I love all of the imagery in this movie. I just think it's really masterful of mm-hmm. of Nolan to communicate all of these, and they they bookend even the way that he is humiliated by his professor at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. He humiliates Strauss, and that like comes back to bite him in the mm-hmm. in his legacy, really. And the raindrops when he's staring when he's a young student overseas, and he's kind of like having weird visions and mentally mm-hmm. mentally ill and just not doing well. Um, it gets to the point where he, he grows in his intellectual power and then as soon as he accomplishes what he and this team of scientists were commissioned to do, which was build a nuclear bomb, a nuclear bomb, uh, an atomic bomb, it gets taken away and he doesn't even get mm-hmm. told, gets told whenever it, goes off they found out yeah on the radio and and it kind of all comes to a head in that moment in that uh scene and this is what i've told told a couple people who were like it's weird that they didn't show any um footage from nagasaki or hiroshima if you're paying really close attention you get really sick or you should get really sick whenever the um the colonel or who or general or whoever it is, Secretary of Defense says, mm-hmm. "I'm taking Kyoto off the list because my wife and I honeymoon there." Yeah, and that, that is was, a real thing that happened, and it that is was like gross. And it's and that whole that whole conversation is just you see it getting slipping away from him. So like from his mm-hmm. perspective, you're underst- the audience is understanding like this. He's he can't he's not a politician. He like just does play the politician after the bomb gets mm-hmm. sent off or like. Um, um, sharing what the information so that there's not this arms race, but then it does lead to the arms race, and it was like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. What do you what do you think about like the theme of power in the movie? No, I think that's a great point. Is like, there's always going to be someone who who has more power and who wants more power, and uh, I think Oppenheimer. He wanted to be the smartest. He wanted the best people on his team, which is fine and well. And he got the job done, but also he had no say in what happened to his creation. And and I think that happens a lot is like, we don't really get a say in what what 
we create or do. I mean, uh, parents don't get a say in how their kids or who their kids eventually become. Like they have influence, yes, but they don't they don't get to control that, right? Uh, we create content, but we don't really get to control like how it's perceived, right? Like we don't get control over that. And, and governments are going to control as much as they can. And they're going to control their citizens as much as they can. Now, if they actually can, that's, you know, neat, that that's debatable. But like, the creator does not get control over the creation in the way that I that I think we think the creator should. And, um, he, and, and, and he says as much too. like, I don't know if we can be trusted with a bomb like this, but I know that the Nazis can't be trusted with it. Right. Yeah. And again, it goes back to like this idea of like, who's to say we're the good guys and who's to say they're the bad guys. Right. Like, it goes it's this us versus them mentality that we always that that every person every group of people fall into so easily and it's it's it can be really dangerous and and, uh, yes the nazis couldn't be trusted with an atomic bomb but we didn't need to be trusted with no here's the deal i don't think any group of people any person should be trusted with an atomic bomb i just don't think that's great for the world yeah uh unfortunately that's it's where everything was headed which is too bad but yeah yeah which is why i think people viewed him as like such a like he was just a confusing person because it's like well why wouldn't you be proud of something you made and it's like he did it because, and there's, there's this conflicted portrayal of him as a patriot because all mm-hmm. these people say he did have communist ties, but he mm-hmm. stepped away from communism when he realized that communism wasn't just about like revolutions, like sending money yeah. to people in the Spanish American Civil War. Right. He realized that communism became Soviet communism, and that's right. when he stepped back. And and he said, "I love this country," and it's, he doesn't say I did it for my country, but it was, you know, it was clear that. It was clear that he did um, mm-hmm. and that he wouldn't have, I don't know, like he is just, it's like an interesting, fascinating case of necessity. Um, right. You know, and I think too, like, I wonder for people who are, who are around our age, right? Like, so, so 9-11 happened when we were really young. We were, I turned seven the day before 9-11 happened. Yeah. And so we were these little kids. And, and so while that created a lot of fear i think for for our country we didn't really understand the weight of it you know as as kids like like people of our generation especially like younger millennials didn't really understand the weight of it and so i think it's hard for us sometimes to understand the willingness to to do something on behalf of your country yeah does that make sense yeah yeah, because like course. I think I think especially with like the during World War One and during World War Two, there was this this desire to 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 enlist, right? Like, and, and to to fight for your country. And, and that spiked th- after nine eleven too. 
and it did spike after 9-11, right? Like, like enlistment for, for the military increased it dr- drastically after 9-11. And, but like, we didn't understand that because we were kids. And, and so like, we haven't had a, I guess a major war, so to speak, during our adulthood or during the time where someone would enlist, right? Like, like if that had happened when we were 20, we probably would have had friends enlist. Well, like a, a war know? on the scale of World War Two or World War One, Right, like, yeah. 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 And so, so I think sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, you know, this idea of like, I'm doing this for my country, even if it's going to be really dangerous or have really horrific results. So, so yeah, so sometimes like whenever Oppenheimer, like when he said that, like how much he loves his country and how much, you know, he did this for his country. I'm just like, I just don't get that. But I also have really strong feelings about our country. And it was like, also go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it, but I like, I love my country and I want my country to be better. But I'm just like, I don't know if I really want to go to war for my country. Well, and so that makes me think of that conversation that he had with or he has with matt damon where he comes in mm-hmm. and he uh we haven't even talked about the cast uh we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to it here in a second but dane dehan is uh nichols like a lieutenant in the military and um matt matt damon tells him general groves tells him get this dry clean he throws him his jacket in mm-hmm. order to like get out of the room i'm gonna we're gonna talk alone and in that mm-hmm. scene i i just I loved seeing all of the different, um, uh, like verbal dueling between and all the uh, scenes where Killian Murphy gets to play off different people. Josh Hartnett mm-hmm. is so good in this movie. Oh he's, my gosh! I I'm not. We'll talk about it at the end, but like he's low key my MVP of this movie. Um, him and um, what's his name? I'm trying to Josh Beck. Well, Josh Josh Peck is he has a David Crumholtz like he plays. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. He plays Robbie, his his basically his best friend, who's mm-hmm. also a scientist. Um, but in that scene with Matt Damon as Groves, he he like is smiling and he doesn't smile throughout the movie very often. Killian Murphy, mm-hmm. um, and he just kind of knows like I'm the only person who can do this. Mm-hmm. I've like already thought about this. I've already figured it out. And then he says like. You have research here. You have theoretical here. We converge in the points. There's like compartmentalization. We have rail. We have to build a town out here where we're eventually going to test it. And it's like, it's so it's so well constructed and well communicated that like he had developed to that point where, um, you know, at the beginning of the movie, they say like, why didn't you study physics here? Because Berkeley has a good program. And he goes, mm-hmm. I was overseas because we didn't have a physics program. Mm -hmm. I built the one at Caltech in Berkeley. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I don't know. It's like, yeah, he was he was the uh, the person, the one person who could do it. What um, what do you think about like? Do you want to just talk about the performances? Like, do you do? Should we just like list everyone and then just kind of like because there's such a nerds moment of like, or there's such a rewatchable sort of. Uh, quality to this movie where it's like this movie is insanely watchable like if it was on tv i would probably watch like 30 minutes or like as much as i could 
I don't this know is if you where feel you that and way. I differ. Okay. I, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I I love that that you love this so much. I also think this movie is so good. It's it it, it is a great movie. I don't know if I will like watch it. Sure. If again, it, yeah, it's kind of like a Schindler's List type of movie for you, or yeah, yeah. Um, I it's just. I, I I was thinking about it of um, like Saving Private Ryan. It's mm-hmm. just it is emotional and it is intense, and it 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 is just so much and so heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I like had to decompress after watching this movie because I, I was just like I feel just spent. Yeah. And so so it doesn't feel quite. I wouldn't call it rewatchable for me. But I love that it's rewatchable for you. That's great. Yeah. Um, um, let's. You want to talk about the cast? Yes. Okay. Do you think Killian Murphy will get nominated for Best Actor? Yeah, he has to. Yeah, this is like, this is an incredible performance. It is an incredible performance, and, and the again, just the way that this film is edited, and it's not this like. Uh, you know, chronological story. It, it's going, you know, cutting back and forth, and and so knowing, well, and and knowing, like movies aren't filmed in sequential order. The ways in which he had to to just dig in, I guess, and and mm. kind of take on this this character. I mean, that's it's impressive. He's so good in it. Um, Cause he's like, like you said, like he's snarky and arrogant, but also there, there's this like appeal to him. Mm-hmm. And so I think he does a really good job of, of manifesting that, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, about what, you, do, you, uh, what do you think? So, so, um, another, I'm sure you know about this criticism of Nolan with him and the dead wife thing it was like. The wife's dead, and that he's not as good at writing female protagonists oh, because the wife is yeah. dead in Inception, famously, mm-hmm. and Interstellar, mm-hmm. and uh, Rachel Dawes gets killed in The Dark Knight. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Debicki is like kind of like a damsel in distress for most of Tenet. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no really female characters in Dunkirk, mm-hmm. and I guess this, you could say the strongest female character is. Um, Hillary Swank and insomnia, but okay. what do you, how, how do you like interpret how, what were your reactions to Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt's performances? And like, what did you just think about them? Because I was pretty baffled at the end of the first time I saw it. And then I mm-hmm. kind of started to understand a little bit more and I have well, my own thoughts, but I wanted to yeah. kind of see what you thought first, just because I knew that you would notice them. Notice yes. Them yeah. More so than I did. Well, so I think that that criticism of he just doesn't know how to write female characters is fair. I also, I I appreciate someone who's willing not to write, a, like willing to withhold from writing a character that he doesn't know how to write for, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, Elizabeth Debicki is kind of a damsel in distress in Tenet. I need to rewatch it. I don't, I don't remember a whole lot about her character in it. But she's also 
from my my memory, she's also like really smart and is willing to like kind of do what she needs to do. And so, uh, and, and then you know Anne Hathaway as Catwoman in oh, yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Anne Hathaway, yeah. Uh, she's. I, I mean, I I think that that character is written pretty well, and it is a really good iteration of Catwoman. So yeah maybe he's not the best at it but he's also not trying to always like he's he's not trying to write a character he doesn't know how to write for yeah so what do you think about you know, what do you think about that scene with Florence Pugh oh my god that <laughs> I saw way more Florence Florence Pugh than I was expecting to see in this movie no comment. Um, yeah no that's fair <laughs> um so I don't. I think did it's it work? Did it work for you? If you're listening, if you're listening to this, the the description of this scene. I don't know. We don't need to like flesh out all of it, but it is a it is a pretty pretty explicit mm-hmm. sex scene between Florence Pugh as Jean Tatlock and Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer, and she gets up and grabs a book, and uh, it's Sanskrit. And he reads his, the famous quote that he invoked. Mm-hmm. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, as they resume their intercourse. And I was just like, what is this? Like, what is he doing? And that's pretty early in the movie. That's probably like it 20 minutes so in, early 25 in minutes. Yeah. And I was just like, I cannot believe he did that. And that it mostly worked like because it really did. I was like, I, I get it. And it was also like I was just more reacting to mm-hmm. how ballsy, ballsy it was. It is it, like definitely a choice. It is a choice. That. Yeah. You're, and like we've we've talked about this, like like Walter famously hates sex scenes and hates kissing, like specifically kissing scenes where you can like hear it. I don't like sex scenes. Like I understand that there's the argument that they like. It they are their the purpose. It, yeah. And, and this and it like, kind of does. It kind of does. But also, my, also, here's my thing about like sex scenes. And, and this is like historically been the case with sex scenes is it's always the, the woman who is fully naked and very vulnerable. And the men are almost always fully clothed. And it's like, which later there's another sex scene where he is very he's he's also yeah. naked Extremely but you don't see any in front of the kangaroo court yeah. yeah but also that's like metaphoric he's not you know they're not actually having sex in front of the court or whatever but um but like you also don't see any nudity from from him you only see female nudity and yep. so it just I think it speaks to like a power dynamic, but also like there's the power dynamic between Oppenheimer and um, what is Florence Pugh's character's name? Jean Tatlock. Jean. Yeah. So there, there's that their power dynamic because one, he's older. He is already I think well. In, I think in real life, I don't think he was that much older than her. Okay. They they are okay. in, they are in real life. He's like ten or fifteen years older than her. So Killian Murphy and yes. Florence Pugh. Yeah. yeah, and so so there's like there is a power dynamic, and so it's, I guess artistically, I guess I can understand that. 
Um, but yeah, it was it like, I knew that there was a sex scene. Someone had told me already that there was a sex scene, which was crazy. Cause I was like, the movie hasn't come out yet, but, and then I, when I saw it, I was like, oh my, that is okay. All right. We're doing this. We're doing this. Um, I thought you were talking about the scene where they're talking about the affair in the court and Emily Bl- Emily Blunt's character Kitty is like envisioning it. Yeah. Yeah. Which that, that scene, scene that scene bumped I bumped with that a little bit more. Um, yeah. But you know, I, and it, it yeah. kind of like plays to this fact that like, you know, Damon or General Groves played by Matt Damon says like mm-hmm. you are a womanizer and you pick yeah. up on that like he but also like he's not he doesn't treat women well like mm-hmm. like he's not but but there, there and the reason i say that is like there's a quick moment with his brother and his brother's girlfriend where he just mm-hmm. like ignores her in mm-hmm. a conversation it was it, right. also pretty early in the movie and it lingers on her face really brief like like very very intentionally she just gets yeah. really frustrated and annoyed um and that that I noticed that more the second time. I was like, "Okay, oh, he like chose to do that." And then, and then later uh-huh. on, right toward the end, he says, "Like, I had an affair with that dude, that physicist's wife too, but he never found out." And then he like mm-hmm. he died several years ago. He never found out um, because they were trying to dig up more dirt on him. Right. And it's like just an, it's like a really blink if and you'll miss it sort of scene. But it's like, oh, he had a, he had affairs like. All the he time. had a bunch of affairs. Well, with even with women. with Kitty, like and Kitty he was like married. basically like caused the her and her husband to divorce, even though she wanted it. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it was like there's just like he just is sheer chaos, like yeah, in, in a bunch of women's lives. So yeah, and so yeah, no, I haven't. I I didn't. I still haven't sat down, mostly because I I feel like it would. I once I start this, I will be just submerged in it forever of going down the rabbit trail of like okay who are all these people and like actually what were their lives like like because i want to do that with all every single character like i don't know anything about oppenheimer or kitty or lewis strauss or not to mention like all of the scientists like the murderers row of amazing actors including like josh peck and uh uh freaking jack quaid olivia thurlby yeah um, rory Keane, ted king um there's a there's a um freaking there's a scars guard brother in this movie and i was like he's a scars guard too which scars guard was in it gustav scars guard he's the guy who who um benny softy um who plays teller he says, I will not work for this man. And he like, leave, mm. uh, Benny Softy leaves. It's that guy. And he's like, let him go. It's like, he's, okay. he's a prima donna. I can't work with him. Like, he's really, really good in this movie. So. Man. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, this, this cast is so good. And not to compare it to because these are very different movies but like these both of these movies have such great ensemble casts that it's it's like actually insane how how great these casts are yeah uh and you know you talked about josh harnett earlier he yeah let's talk about he's been a walk us through like the the big scenes with him 
he was such a great foil, I think, for Oppenheimer because he he just kind of called him out on stuff. Like, I, I feel like he was one of the only people who was like willing to call him out and be like, mm-hmm. you know, that's cool that you're here for theory, but like we're here for like practicality. And he just kind of went toe to toe with him, which which was really interesting to see. And like Josh Hartnett. He he's an interesting character, just like person, because he has been this, you know, in the the '90s and early 2000s, he was this like teenage heartthrob, and and has been since, and has aged like fine wine. And mm-hmm. so it was cool to see him in this because he's been in oh, what was that Showtime show that he was in? Um, it was like a really, it was a pretty big one, I think. But a lot of people have been like, where has he been? But he's like, he's been doing stuff. Um, yeah. And I think he played a himbo in that show, too. I got to find it. Penny Dreadful. <laughs> which is like, kind of, it takes, uh, it's like a kind of a dark take it's like a vampire. on. Isn't that Eva yeah. Green? Yeah. Hmm? Isn't that Eva Green? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he he plays the role in Oppenheimer so well because he is he and Oppenheimer have ideological differences, mm-hmm. but he they're ultimately colleagues and they have like difficult conversations that you get to see off and on, and then yeah, so he like he's really the catalyst for especially you know helping Oppenheimer feel, figure out like the ideology that he what he believes about especially communism and like mm-hmm. he's the proponent of like, you need to keep these po- politics out of the classroom because we're it'll it will hinder us just pursuing science and like pursuing mm-hmm. something groundbreaking and he was right yeah and it's cool because he's a uh he's a real fi- or not a real physicist but he was a like a um like a quantum physicist and then mm-hmm. oppenheimer was just theoretical and so he right. had built stuff and his inventions like ended up, I think, leading to like critical components of the functioning atomic bomb that they invented. So right. yeah. it's uh he just he's so good. And I was like, I cannot he, I was like and, and this is Josh Hartnett. It's like nothing against mm-hmm. him, but it's like it's not like he's um a big as big a name of Killian Murphy, but they're going toe to toe and just like mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really, really good in this movie. Yeah, I think I think Josh Hartnett is probably underrated as an actor because I I think that we th- that people do think of him as just like oh he was some teenage heartthrob back in the day, but he's actually been in some like pretty big movie like big movies and uh, has done well in them. And so yeah, he's going toe to toe with Killian Murphy and is holding his own very well, like easily. And so yeah. that's that's really it was it was really exciting. So like I wouldn't be surprised if he was nominated for best supporting actor, uh, you know Robert Downey Jr. Who is is great. Love Robert Downey Jr. I, I also wouldn't be surprised if he was nominated for best supporting actor. And so it's just yeah. I mean, such a great. I mean, it's there's so many great characters or actors in this this film. Yeah. Um, do, who do you think if you were going to nominate someone for supporting actor who would you who would you put up I think I 
I think the the most likely choice is going to be Robert Downey Jr. Yep. I think it. I and maybe I need to to rewatch it to really solidify my answer, but I, I think it should be Josh Hartnett. Honestly, really? yeah. So it also, which this might be different because it's it's um, movies, and I think there's less there's less nominees with Oscars specifically, but I'm thinking like with um, like Emmys, they have way more nominees in their categories. And so like Succession has like three, three mm-hmm. actors all in the same category. And so part of me wonders if, if they might push for that, a yeah. similar thing with, Robert Downey Jr. and Josh Hartnett, but it, it'll be. I but they push for Robert Downey Jr. more. Yeah, I think I think he'll probably be nominated. Um, what did you think about Casey Affleck's scene? Casey Affleck <laughs> plays General. Uh, he plays Boris Pash, who is mm-hmm. a son of a Russian Orthodox, um, uh, and he uh, he gets he has like a really scary scene. Mm-hmm. Um, with where Oppenheimer kind of gets tricked up in something where he's trying to protect one of his scientists, but then mm-hmm. Pash wants to take him out on a boat and like interrogate him in the Russian style. But he had like gone over and killed Bolsheviks um, during the war several years before World War II started, and he was just like a really like oh shoot mm-hmm. moment um, character in the mo- movie. What'd you think about that? Talk about a jump scare. Yeah, uh, I, I was like, "Who is this person?" I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that's Casey Affleck." I'm scared. Yeah, I was like, "It's Casey Affleck." We should be we should be fearful. I I didn't know he was in this. I didn't. Either. And I he was in Interstellar. I, he hasn't been in any other Nolan. Movie, I think it's has just he? Interstellar. Yeah, is it just Interstellar? Yeah. So so I don't know why he was in this i honestly don't know why casey affleck has a career but also whatever that happens all the time yeah um i don't like casey affleck so like i think he, i you don't want to talk I about do it think, yeah i think he's a good actor and that's fine but like that doesn't excuse his behavior like kevin spacey's also a good actor but doesn't excuse his behavior you know and so yeah i don't know what do you think of it i thought it was really good i thought he was really good um I'm just kind of running through the list. Jason Clark, I on blank check, they had the funniest running bit where they were like, J- Jason Clark plays a cuck in every single movie. <laughs> so can you imagine him having the uh, call with Christopher Nolan and then him being like, yeah, but like, when does he cuck me? And <laughs> and, and then they were doing this Christopher, oh, you should go listen to it. It's so funny. They were doing this Christopher Nolan voice like, Jason, he doesn't cuck you. You're just prosecuting him and, <laughs> and he's like if it helps you you can think that he fucked your wife it is okay <laughs> and but but, the, but they're like come on come on come on shit come on christopher like i play a in every movie <laughs> <laughs> and it killed me but i love jason clark because he's like always he's like doing the same thing in every single movie but it's always so good here's the thing do with what what do with what you got you know like yeah like 
work with what you got. If you're playing the same character in every movie, but it works for you, great. My thing is, if I was an actor, I would love to be a character actor because you're yep. always going to get those roles. Yep. You know, uh, so good, good for Jason Clark. Just like he, uh, Tony Goldwyn, like plays the president in everything. Everything. Yeah. And Tarzan. Yeah. And Tarzan. Specifically so, Tarzan. Specifically Tarzan. I didn't know that Alex Wolf was in this movie, so I was like. I did the I DiCaprio I like like snap yeah. and point at the screen. I was like, oh, I, didn't, I actually didn't know that he was in there. So yeah, I don't think I realized he was in it. And yeah, pretty much the entire time. Which you sent me that that tweet that was like the DiCaprio snapping and whistling. But it was the, like for everyone. For everyone, yeah. Because the whole time I was like, oh, I didn't know this person was in it. I didn't know this person was in it. Which is crazy because I knew, or I thought I knew most of the cast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, any final thoughts about Oppenheimer? Emily Blunt. We got. I'm so sorry. We got to talk about Emily Blunt. Um, we got to talk about Emily Blunt. Okay. She's talk good. About, yeah. I do feel like she got a little bit of a short shrift. Here's the deal. I will never not think we need more screen time with Emily Blunt. Yeah. Like, she's she's just so good. And talk about Stand By Your Man, even when he has several affairs. Mm-hmm. But she very much was like, you, you got to stop being such a freaking baby and stand up for yourself or they're just going to push you around. Like, she knew all along that it was uh, Robert Downey Jr., um, Admiral Strauss, that right was doing this to him because of yeah. what had happened in the past so yeah like like she very much was like do not let them ruin your legacy yeah or your rep- reputation like like and so yeah her character was really interesting because her character and and Florence Pugh's character were interesting because they were both like such deeply flawed women yep and yeah. We've talked about this before. We talked about this on um, Indiana Jones mm-hmm. with you know Phoebe Waller Bridge's character. I don't. I don't need the female character to be like a good person. If it's a flawed character and it's dynamic, that's great. And, and I do think like again, Christopher Nolan's strong suit is not writing female characters. But I. Yeah. I and so so it could these characters could have been more dynamic, but also like the movie would have had to been so much longer than what it was. Who else is going to get cut? So like, I'm not upset that they, they weren't more dynamic or there wasn't more screen time necessarily. Like, you know, that's, that's probably my critique of this movie is like, we didn't get enough with, with those actors, with those characters, but Emily Blunt playing, playing a, a, I could see her getting a nom. I bet she, I bet she gets a nom. I think she's I think she's a little bit better than Florence Pugh, but I think Florence Pugh is obviously working like firing on all cylinders in this movie. Yeah, no, I think Kitty Oppenheimer just has like a really interesting arc that isn't really as fleshed Mm -hmm. out, but you get more glimpses of it rather than Pugh. I didn't really understand like they fall into they have a more of like a physical relationship. Her uh, T uh, Jean Tatlock and Oppenheimer have a more physical Mm -hmm. relationship, but I didn't really understand like why aren't you committing to a relationship if you want him to like always be there? Um, I didn't really understand that. So 
Well, sometimes we are fearful of commitment and we like so the true. idea of a relationship. And, and so we want to keep things, all our options open. Yeah. So we do things that are relationship esque without actually calling it a relationship. That is yeah. what the kids today call a situationship. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. I have You're actually that. doing me an educate. So Yeah, I'm trying to educate, doing an educate for everyone. Um, this is what I have learned as I have been a therapist for college students and nice. people in their early 20s. Uh, so I did not know that's that was a thing. Uh, I thought that was just the talking phase, but yeah. apparently it's it's a situation ship. So so old Jean just wanted a situation ship with uh, that's what that's what she wanted. Rob, yeah. with o- Oppie. What, so. Um, Speaking of speaking of situationships, what did you think about uh, Gary Oldman as Harry Truman? He was the other person where I was like, I didn't know that he was. <laughs> I did, yeah, no. When he showed up, I was like, Is that? Is that Dean, Dean Kane? <laughs> we said it at the same <laughs> Thank time. Thank you for knowing where I was going with that. <laughs> That's the other bit. That's the other bit. We have that, that is the other and then bit. the movies, but by, by Harry Styles, our bits are just referencing things. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, atomic, if you will. Nice. Not, not, not too soon. Uh, um, that too scene soon. Soon. where he hands him, he says, I feel like I have blood on my hands. And then he said, he hands him his handkerchief without saying anything. Yes. And then get that crybaby out of here. Yeah. Don't let that crybaby back in here. I, I loved, yeah, no, that was really good. Gary, Gary Oldman was great for that. Uh, it's always so funny how, not funny. It's just like really cool actually to see how like, how much Gary Oldman can transform for a role because the whole time I was just like, is that, is that Gary Oldman? I, I wonder if I he likes tell. doing, I don't know. I, I think, I assume that that was a fat suit. Um, yeah. I assume that he likes getting all this makeup on him. I wouldn't, but like, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> he just but, seems to. But also, I mean, Gary Oldman has been doing this for a long time. And so yeah. it might be like, it might be fun to do that every so often, you know, like yeah, just that's to get get dressed up. Because, like, I don't know. Think about it's not always like super fun to get dressed up if you had to do it every day. But when when you get to do it on a special occasion, it's like, oh, that was that was nice that we got to do that. That's why Halloween is fun. Well, or can and only be fun. once a year. And only once a year. Dress up. Um, yeah. We got a shout out Devin Bostic, Roderick himself. Um, do you ever watch those movies, Diary of a Wimpy Kid? No. Um, they're pretty funny, from what I hear. Um, but everyone's <laughs> making a big deal. Roderick's in this movie. I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Diary of a Wimpy Kid." And I was like, "Okay." All the cool well, when kids. When you started knew. talking about it, I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Who Roderick about. is? Uh, but, yeah. He's the guy who's throwing up after the scene where Oppenheimer comes out of the gym, which is probably uh-huh. my favorite scene of the movie, where all the scene the sound cuts out again mm-hmm. and he's starting to envision like what have, what have i done like yeah um and you hear and i didn't catch this until the second time i saw it but like there's that noise where things start going haywire for him and then mm-hmm. he has to like mentally kind of associate again as opposed to dissociating um mm-hmm. but it's the sound of everyone stomping on the bleachers yeah the gym after the day that it happens he, yeah devin bostick is outside throwing up Mm-hmm. When he comes outside, so also and he's a, he's a scientist. So going back to the like, they didn't show clips from 
the actual bombing. They didn't need to, but also, like, they they showed an image where, like, Oppenheimer is, like, like envisioning, a, it's like a woman and her, like, face is, like, peeling There's, off. Yeah. And, and, and people, some people didn't like that, but I that worked for me because it's so quick and very yes, scary. It's terrifying. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't need to see an entire, like, montage of that. That was enough. Yeah. That was yeah. enough for me. So um, I just remembered that when you were talking about that scene. Last person I want to shout out, and then I'll kind of pitch it to you for final thoughts. Another one of my favorite supporting, probably my favorite supporting character that I was like, who is this guy? His name is Tron Fausta Arvag, and he mm-hmm. plays George Kistiakowski. Kistiakowski. And you'd recognize him if you saw him, but he's the guy. And I love that. I love that he got to play this role because it's such a uh, Nolan knowing that there's some people in the audience who would be like this guy. This is mm-hmm. the guy who every time they would do a test explosion, he would mm-hmm. say heads down, heads down. And then he would stick his head up because he wanted to see it. Explode. He wanted to see it. And yeah. right before they detonate Trinity, he he like takes off his glasses, runs outside and oh, to, to yeah, like yeah, witness yeah. it himself. And it's such a like he just he just plays that. It's such a small thing, but it's such an important thing. And that like really mm-hmm. stuck with me. I was like, I would want to see it, too. I want to be like. I want to see this thing blow up. With my own mm-hmm. eyes, it's kind of so. like, I don't know if you've seen. It gets me excited. Like, talk about this. About too. Well, it's kind of like, it's a good, like there's a tweet or something. Like people will talk about this of like lava, like lava looks so cool. Yeah. And it's like, I want to touch it, but it's like, it would burn my entire hand off. Like yeah, exactly. it, it, it's that kind of thing of just like, it would be so bad to, to actually witness that. But also, it'd be super cool to it see things blow cool. up. It'd be, yeah. it'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty um, cool. Not see it, like, demolish and level an entire city, but it'd be pretty cool to see it just, like, cool. out in the desert. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So. Um, Livy, any final thoughts on Barbie? Or <laughs> I have so many thoughts on Barbie. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, Isaac, what all what all do you think it's gonna be nominated for? I'm so glad you asked. Um yes. I think Killian Murphy I think Killian Murphy is going to win this Oscar, and unless there's another performance this year that just like blows me away, I think mm-hmm. he should win it. Um so I think he'll be nominated. I think Robert Downey Jr. will be nominated. I think Christopher Nolan will be nominated. I, I think for director, I think it will be nominated for Best Picture. I think it will be nominated for um, adapted screenplay, editing, cinematography, production design, and um, sound. Mm-hmm. And so in soundtrack. This is going to be the movie that gets nominated. This for everything. could be yes. This could be the uh, um. What was last year that got everything? This has been such a long year. It has been such a long I year. Can't this could be uh, this could be uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, which won eleven, um, but I think it's going to get. Was it many, everything many everywhere? It can't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you're right. Was you're it right. everything I everywhere? I don't know why. Yeah. Was that last year? Yep. It won this oh year. Oh my gosh! This was this is the longest year of my life. I yep. thought, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Man. what about you? Uh, yeah, same. I, I think all of those things 
will I, I think this movie will be nominated in pretty much any category it can be nominated in yeah so uh yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it just like swept or or got most most of its if it won most of the nominations uh it got so yeah it's And it again, like it doesn't feel like Oscar bait in the sense, and like I think that's kind of the beauty of Christopher Nolan as a as a director is like he's not trying to do Oscar bait stuff at all, and so he can do these really fantastic movies yep. without it feeling forced, yeah. like I think a lot of Oscar bait movies do. Yeah. Hoyte van Hoyte for ah Hoyte. Hoyta Van Hoytema um, did Nope, the cinematography for Nope last year. Mm. Um, he did Interstellar with Nolan and Dunkirk, so he's done the last couple, and Tenet. He did Ad Astra and Spectre and Her, and uh, so he's he's on a really, really good run. I was going to say, uh, haven't, weren't he's all He's probably the next nominated? Deacons. Yeah. Probably. How old is yeah. he? He is... I don't know. He's Dutch. He was born in... Um, he was born in 71. He's yeah. 52. Yeah, so he's really good. Um, you know, it's funny. I, we never introduced ourselves, so we'll introduce ourselves signing did, off this yeah, episode. we did. We did? I don't know. I thought we did. I don't did. think we did. <laughs> well, I know I'm we didn't say this is a movie about places offered down by Hollywood or this... atomic detonation sites, so... Well, th- this isn't a movie. This is a podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, any final thoughts on Oppenheimer? It was the bomb. <laughs> it was a blast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was a blast. USA. 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 US. Sorry. Um, again, if if any of you follow me on Twitter, I am only patriotic when it comes to the US competing in international sporting events. So... One hundo. Keep it hun- one, one hundo. Keep it um, one hundo. Our next Would have been episode... really funny if Josh Peck had said that. <laughs> Keep it one hundo. Keep it one hundo. My brother. <laughs> Hug me, brother. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're going to have some amazing Josh Peck uh, memes to help boost this uh, this episode whenever it goes out on social media. Guess what lie. our next episode is, Olivia? Is it the Sandlot? It's Sandlot. Yes. You play ball like a girl. I love the Sandlot so much. I love the Sandlot. It's it's so great. It's incredible. Oh um, man! And then after that's hard on. So we're just like having an incredible summer. Minus man, what Indiana a Jones summer. Vibes. Yeah. Which like was fine. Yeah. So it, honestly, if that's the worst we've had this summer, we've had a really good movie, like summer of movies. So. Yep. Yeah, I would no. be going to see. Are you going to go see uh, Mutant Mayhem? Yes, I don't know what I'm seeing it, but I am going to go see it because I, I want it, to. But I'm entering yeah. a season where I'm like going to be super busy, so I'm not sure I'll be able to. But it looks totally legit. Yeah, it looks really cool. So I'm I'm probably going to go see that. Um, so I don't know when, but I will go see it. Cool. So that. Thank is you for listening. Plan. Please remember yes. to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, leave us a review on uh, whatever podcatcher you listen to this on. Apple Podcasts helps us out a lot. 
Our next episode is The Sandlot. Our art is by Macy Lemus. Our music is by Corden Jocks. They're both Little Rock-based artists. Go check them out. They're awesome. And we will see you next time. I'm Isaac signing off. That's Olivia signing off. Bye. Bye. Bye.